We are going to open God's word, 2 Corinthians 8, starting at verse 16, and that's found on page 1802. Titus sent to Corinth. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. In addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his confidence in you. As for Titus... He is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. And then we keep going in Titus. Titus 1 starting at verse 5 to 16. Titus' task on Crete. That's page found on 1857. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and for that sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, Both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. The very words of God.
Congregation of Jesus Christ, we continue by reading a little further in the letter uh, of Timothy to Titus. And we get to see again a little more about who Titus is and, and reflect on how that ministry also influences us as, as we want to go forward in the service of the Lord, encouraged by these words as well. In order to, to receive this word well and understand it, we need to recognize what it says here in uh, verse 5 of Titus chapter 1. He is on the island of Crete. Now, I'm not sure, have any of you holidayed on the island of Crete? Some world travelers here? No? Okay, me neither. <laughs> it's supposed to be very nice. But the, the picture of Crete at this time is very much uh, as a, a place with, with quite a history, and yet it, it has real challenges. And, and so, as Titus is there too, he is there to work on behalf of the gospel, on behalf of the church, on behalf of Christ as Lord, and, and to understand his work, the challenge that is there, and what he is really called to do, we have to just recognize what, what's the challenge itself. The island of Crete is about 260 kilometers long and 60 kilometers wide. So it's, it's a fairly substantial island, right? And so it has mountains down the center, valleys along the coast, and the people there uh, fish for a living mainly at that time. And there is the history of, of Greek influence, the Minoan culture. And so it, it had a, a proud and rich and diverse history, but when... Titus comes there, the quote in verse 11, maybe verse 12, maybe you noticed it there of Titus 1, uh, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. So it's, it's changed. It's, it's not the wonderful holiday spot. It's not even a real cultural spot. It's, it's gone down. And so that that challenge of, of ministering there. And so Titus comes bringing the truth in the context of those who are called, first of all, they are liars. And you can't really trust them. And you can't trust what they're telling you. And they can't, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult place to even live and do business and even to, to exist together. And so it says in Titus 1 verse 1 that they are coming uh, in the knowledge of the truth, bringing, they, they are, are trying to further the faith of God and the knowledge of the truth. And that leads then to godliness. So that's what Titus is doing there. It's his ministry to those liars. He is coming to bring the truth. So that's always really in any circumstance our ministry too. The next thing we need to know, how did this ministry actually start in Crete? That, that Paul and Titus arrived in Crete and they were able to start working there. And this is, this is a beautiful comfort for us as we try to bring the truth too. 
because you think, how, how in the world did, did any traction start there? And you have to realize that as God is unfolding his plan of salvation, he has in mind people in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it says specifically that in Acts 2 verse 11, when, when the Holy Spirit is poured out and, and the gospel is proclaimed, Jesus is the Savior, Pentecost, it says in Acts 2 verse 11, there were Jews from Crete in Jerusalem. And they heard the gospel. And they went back home and they shared the gospel. And now Paul and Titus are coming to a place that you think there's no way. How is that going to work? But God is already at work by the Spirit. And so again, for us, whenever we have opportunity to share the gospel in places where we would think, boy, that's, that's not really going to have any traction here at all. Titus encourages that continued gospel ministry that Jesus is building his church and that continues in Crete and that continues today. And so that is very encouraging as we think about Titus's ministry building on what God is doing. The third thing, Titus 1 verse 5, where Paul leaves Titus in Crete and he says, in order that you would uh, do the work, finish the work that has been started there. And he says, in every town, in every town. And you think, well, what is that? Well, well you have to realize that Crete is, is a long, narrow island. And, and on, that, on that island, mountainous in the middle, and then... All, all kinds of little areas cut down to the coast. And so all along, there, there's all kinds of, of divisions. It's, it's divided up, and there are all towns, individual towns along the coast. And so even in the, in the poetry of Crete at that time, Crete is famous throughout the world as the island of a hundred towns. So I'm not sure if it was actually a, a hundred, but there were lots of towns. And each town had, had its own kind of community, uh, identity, and, and so Titus is, is going, there's a lot of work to do here. If that gospel is going to go from town to town, maybe not absolutely every town has a, has a faith community, but when it says here in Titus 1 verse 5, I leave you in Crete to finish the work in every town as I directed you. Well, that's, that's huge. So you, you get the picture of, of way out here, God is working, and, and there's opportunity in all the towns. And so Titus is called to do that work, to get things going. Uh, it's like church planting. It's like, it's like Pastor Victor Coe in, in Edmonton and just, just the next one and the next one and the next one. And so that's kind of Titus too. 
It's almost a church-planting vision. And so Titus is that kind of presence in this place. And so uh, the letter of Titus, as, as it came back to the churches elsewhere, they, they saw it too and were excited by it, that God was doing this work and establishing the church in that place and that, that work of spreading the gospel continued, led by the Spirit. But there's a problem. As Titus is doing this, you need to have people come alongside in the leadership to, to in each town, have... Because Titus would move on again too, right? So, okay, you want to... God has has worked wonderfully, brought faith, and and you want to establish that in the church. And now, how do you find people to lead that when it says in verse 12, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. (laughs) So, that's not real leadership material, right? How do, you, how do you do that? And how do you bring a distinctly Christian witness in a world, uh, in a situation that, that has, has very real challenges like that? The reading from Corinthians gives us the starting point. Because we live in a world too, a world that, yeah, can you trust people? Can you trust everything you hear? I'm not sure. And that there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of laziness. And so where where does it start? To find people, to to minister to people, to have people come forward in the right way. And it begins with with Titus himself. And that's why the witness of Titus himself here in 2 Corinthians 8 and, and it's, it's just, if you noticed as, as Sherry was reading, Titus uh, talks about, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, Titus is coming to you with much enthusiasm. He's not, he's not lazy. He is, and it says, uh, on his own initiative. So, so Titus himself is demonstrating going forward actively in, in, a, in a context where people aren't. Yeah, so that would be striking, striking to those he is ministering to just in himself. And then it, it says uh, that they're bringing the collection, which is uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, the, the focus at that point, and Tim, Paul and Titus are doing that. And then uh, it says there too that that he is very zealous uh, for you and, and, and has confidence in you. And Titus is a partner. He's a worker, a co-worker in the church. And, and there, who is Titus? Titus is, is definitely just equipped by God's grace to begin the ministry there in, in just his own character, his own nature, his own enthusiasm and he steps forward and takes hold of the task. And, and that's just, just a wonderful starting point 
as this ministry goes forward. So, so Titus seeks to set an example in his faith, in his life. And that's our call too. If we are in circumstances, if we are unsure, well, we ourselves doing the best we can. And so that's where it starts here. Titus is, is placed there and is ready to do the work, takes it on with enthusiasm. Then, then it says, what, what other character would be a leader, speaking of an elder in the church in this particular case? And it, it throws out a word a couple of times that, that the person needs to be blameless. I don't know, I'm not blameless. I don't know anyone who is blameless. So, so if you start talking about blameless, and then in that place too, in Crete, boy, lazy, lying, that's not going to find too many people. And so, but what he means here is, is he explains blameless. How, how we can live sincerely and a true witness uh, before and among those we are ministering to. So example, verse 6, he describes you need to be blameless, but then he, he explains two ways. One is simply that you are the husband of one wife. And we would say, well, that's fairly, fairly straightforward on the one hand. In, in Crete, at that time, that would be a huge exception. There were multiple wives. Husbands would have several wives and would move between several. It was not at all just one husband, one wife. So, so to be blameless would be simply to have one wife, be faithful to that wife, and to recognize that wife as a gift of God to you and to be faithful to God and to your spouse. And so that would equate with being blameless. In our modern society, it is a witness again. All of the things that are going on in our society now, where you have all kinds of uncertainty about partners and, and spouses and, and genders and you have every kind of possible combination and things and you wonder and God asks us, tells us okay one husband, one wife and that's a witness a powerful witness in a very confused world so that continues to be our, our living out as a church, as Christians that witness of the gospel the second thing, uh, in terms of this, this verse, in terms of being blameless, he says, uh, in relation to children, be, be present, be uh, a witness to your children. And again, that was a challenge in that culture as well. Children in that culture, too, were, were not cared for, were we're not centrally uh, treated. And so to do that, to actually be a family, husband and wife, caring for children in just a, a way that we would say, hey, that, that was a witness in a very confused 
culture as well. And in our culture today, too, there is, uh, with all the brokenness in, in parental relationships and in all of the busyness, the children do get overlooked in a lot of places, in a lot of families. So a witness in our culture, again, would be similar. Just to take the time to have that faithful care of children. We say, of course, but that is really a powerful witness in a culture where, where children are left home alone with the TV after school, where there's broken homes, where there's alcohol available and drugs and crime and, and they feel very insecure and unloved. To have just an actual, we would say, ordinary God-centered family, what a powerful witness. So that's what Timothy is calling, or Titus is called to, and that's what he is calling people to who would be in leadership in that church, a, a faithful response to God's uh, direction for our lives, that God created marriage, God created family, and that that understanding would be lived out with confidence and joy. So it gives us, too, a, a, a center. We wonder, too, how are we witnessing in this culture? How are we being a, a light? And you say, well, that's, that's how. That's, that's a central way that people in all kinds of other uncertainties can see. Yeah, and by simply being faithful as spouses, as families. Verses 7 and 8 go on and mentions blameless again. And here, he, in verse 7, he lists some of the negative things. And in terms of, uh, it's, it's a list of negatives. Do not be overbearing, quick-tempered, drinkers, violent, and dishonest. These are things... That, that God's word speaks against, that we are called to, to live and resist these things by the power of the Spirit and by the grace of God. That we are, are not overbearing, seeking our own way, but that we are self-sacrificial, pointing again to Christ. That we are not quick-tempered, thinking of, of the Old Testament name of God. God says, I am slow to anger. So we want to live out a godly response, resisting things that break down the witness. Uh, not drunk, but filled with the Spirit. Not violent and not dishonest, but rather speaking the truth and coming with a message of truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the light. So there's a there's a, a expression too of how we witness just as we follow God, as we follow Jesus, that we resist these sinful things. And then it adds verse eight a list of positives. What do we do? We are to be hospitable, lovers of good, self controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 
And the picture is of, of God working in and through us, even as God welcomes us into a relationship with him, so we welcome others. As God continues to minister his goodness into our lives, so we seek to do good. God's spirit, the, the fruit of the spirit, one of them is self-control. So as we live by the spirit, so he's, he's expressing to a reliance on God, to, to stand against what is evil and, and to hold on to what is good. And that's, that's the life we are called to live, even today. There will be constant temptation for us in this world where we can, we can take o- over in our own strength, but we have to trust in God, where we, can, where we can force our way, where we can let our temper go, where we can... Uh, be dishonest as for a good cause. And so we can, we can justify all kinds of things, but we need to resist those ungodly things and walk in the way of the Lord, the life of sanctification by grace, growing in godliness and in goodness. So this, this is the witness that Titus is, is seeking to bring in his own life, and through also the church that he's building up. And we also have that. Titus challenges us in your life, in my life. How are we doing? How are we living out witnessing to those around us? And that's a constant challenge. But we also rely on the grace of God. And the foundation is knowledge of who God is and the message that he has uh, entrusted to us. Verse 9. Hold firmly to the trustworthy message that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And really, what he's coming back to is why do you do what you do? Why do you decide what you decide? How do you each day, and that you base it on knowing what you believe, knowing who God is, knowing his call on your life. And so, so you have that deep down. Why am I faithful to my spouse? Because I know that God has provided me this wonderful person. That's, that's the underlying. Why else? Yeah, that's the strength of how we live that out. And with our children, God has given me these children to care for and to nurture. Why do I do that? Because I know by God's word that he is the God who gives me these children to raise in the way of faith by grace. And so so what we know, the doctrinal, the background, gives us the direction to live out. It's necessary to keep that underlying understanding of who God is, what he has done, and how he expects us to live, that that gives us that solid foundation. And so that's, that's where he, he finds the real, the real underlying motivation for what we do and why we do what we do as Christians why we go forward in witness to lift up the name of Jesus and to seek the goodness of God as we share that with others.
there are always challenges. And so he does include here that there are those who seek to break down households, verse 11. And that, that is, is again speaking against um, those who, who break down, even, even what is marriage, what is the household. So he, he is referring again back to that witness. And then seeking dishonest gain, so he is recognizing too those challenges are there. And we have those even today. But the book of Titus challenges all of us in our witness for Jesus in this world. And as we seek more and more to truly know God's will for our lives, we can more and more live it out, doing what is good and being a witness in our broken world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we recognize that you continue to be the one who reaches out into a world of sin through your people, through us, through your church. And we pray that we would see and, and make you clearly the center in our lives, knowing what you have ordained to be true and seeking to live into that truth and to live it out in how we uh, handle our relationships like marriage and family, how we also in the church work together. We think too of just the uh, temptations that are there and we pray that you lead us not into temptation that we would in the decisions we make seek to stand against what is wrong and do what is right. Lord, we thank you that your word encourages us in that knowing too that you are the God of all good and you are the God who provides to the truth that as we live for you, you will uh, work in and through us to build your kingdom and that we would be your witnesses even here where you have placed us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.